Good morning, Mercy Road. How are we doing? Man, today feels weird, doesn't it? Y'all came in, you're like, wait, where are all these kids doing here? It is Mercy Student Takeover. We do this a couple times of the year. Um, It's super exciting. First of all, I want to welcome you guys that are watching online right now. But if you were here, what you, yeah, give it up for the people online, man. We got a ton of people out there. But if you were here, you'd walk in and you'd see we got students out there greeting people. We got, we got students running cameras right now. We had students up here leading worship. We got students out there serving and drinking coffee, hopefully serving more than drinking it. But we are taking over today. And the reason why we do this a couple times of the year is because we want you to know that these students are great and that they love Jesus and they love being a part of this community. Also, it's a reminder to you that we got a job, and that is to pour into them. You know, they used to do these things back in the Old Testament. They called them Seder meals. And they were like these super, super, really, really long meals where they, you know, they'd be eating, but it was all about having the older people tell stories. And they would tell these stories about what God had done and what God was doing, and it was all about taking these stories and passing them down to the next generation. And so we do these Mercy student takeovers as a reminder, not just that we're here and loving Jesus, but also that you guys that are out there, take time to meet some of these students, pour into these students and see where God directs you when you pray that scary prayer, God use me. Next thing you know, you're going to be hanging out with Sunday nights. (laughs) So uh, I'm super excited. I've got a, a great message. I've got, guys, I've got like nine pages of notes here. Um, This is going to be really good. My message, the title of my message is going to get you excited right off the bat. The title is, Are You Out of Your Mind? Then that just kind of spark a little bit. I got to hear this message. You know, I'm a parent and I've used that phrase a lot growing, you know, watching my kids grow up. Are you out of your mind, daddy? Are you out of your mind, Annie? Why would you put six rolls of Charmin into that porcelain bowl? Which by the way, that's a true story. I actually used that phrase just recently last weekend with Jaden. And I don't, if you haven't had a chance to meet Jay, he's the one, he's a Bowen up here that helps lead worship Sunday mornings. He leads worship Sunday nights. Uh, by the way, what'd y'all think of the worship band? These guys are so talented. Man, and we get to enjoy that every Sunday night, all right? So last week was our fall kickoff. And we wanted to make it special. And so we brought in Pastor Rashad, who killed it. Awesome message. We went and we splurged and we, we got nine square. I never knew what nine square it was. If you've never played, I don't care if you're a student, come out. We're going to have it out in the parking lot tonight. It is super fun, very addictive. It's very competitive. And then Jaden comes over to me and, and he's like, man, we want to do something a little bit different with the worship. And anytime Jaden says this, I get a little bit nervous. He's like, Ben, you got to trust me, man. You got to trust me. Ben, would you trust me? So he brings me in here and he says, Ben, I got this great idea. It's just you know, the energy that this will bring. Here you go, Ben. You got to trust me. The students are going to love it. We're going to put a platform back here. And right when the song hits like that really cool climactic part, we're going to let Ryland jump right off that platform. What do you think, Ben? I'm thinking you're out of your mind, right? I'm looking at Jaden. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, in my dad brain, all I see is, is Ryland jumping up, hitting one of these little dome lights. And I'm thinking we're going to have to go into concussion protocol. I don't even know what that looks like. Or she's going to jump up and sprain an ankle or even worse yet, because the stage is old. She's going to go through the stage. And then I'm going to have to try to remember those three numbers, 911, but I'm dyslexic. So I'm probably going to dial 119 and never get the help that I need. And I'm looking at Jade and he's like, would you trust me? And so as adults, we're mature adults. 
I brought in Pastor Trev, and, and we voted, and we talked about it. And so we, we, we made a very mature decision, and uh, we let Ryland jump off the platform. And she, she did it. She totally missed these, and she landed, and it was perfect. And I was reminded of something. Sometimes, in order to crack the hardened heart shells that are walking on or out there, we had a lot of new kids coming in, wondering what this whole mercy student thing's all about. Sometimes we got a little bit, got to get a little bit creative and crazy for Christ, don't we? Sometimes we got to get a little bit out of our mind. And so this morning, I invite you guys to step out of your mind a little bit and get a little bit crazy for Christ with me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for an opportunity to gather and to be in this place and to be encouraged in this place. So many of us, we come here Sunday mornings to just be recharged and energized and inspired to go out there and to find those creative, out-of-your-mind ways to bring the good news to those that don't know it. And so, Lord, I pray that everything that I say on this stage would be for your glory, that everything that happens upon this stage would have a purpose, and that would be to point people in the direction of you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. So our teaching team, they meet every Tuesday and they work really hard and they pray diligently to ask God for guidance on, hey, what, what should we teach? Where should we go? And I don't know about you guys, but the last sermon series um, on that underground Jesus, it was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's so good. And we're actually getting ready to, to start a new sermon series next week with Pastor Josh and Rashad called Why Not Them? And it's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. And so they were all talking about, you know, this mercy student takeover. What should we teach? And um, Megan, she's the one that you see up in the announcements. Um, she's super creative, by the way. She's the one that created all those sweatshirts and all of the swag and all of the little promo pieces like this. She's so talented. She says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we do that, that passage in 2 Corinthians where it talks about all of the old things are gone and the new things come. And all the mercy leaders loved it. A lot of the, the mercy student leaders, they're in the, you know, right around that 20, 25-year-old, and, and they love that, especially Rachel Reese. She's giving me a hard time. She's like, all right, Ben, we're going to throw you a going away party because, you know, old things are going. <laughs> New things, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell from where you're at. I'm not the youngest youth pastor you'll ever meet. The gray might give it away. And uh, we had a lot of fun with that, but I really do love this passage. It comes out of 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Now, I remember reading this a long, 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 long time ago at FCA camp. And I thought to myself, you know what this is about? This is about my old sinful life being gone and becoming this new creation in Christ. And it is part of that. But it's so much more than that. So much more. I wrote this down so that I could read it and get it right. This is a transformation of the heart. Where my life is now more about finding any way possible to show others the amazing grace of Jesus through the sacrifice, suffering, and community. This is a crazy new, out-of-your-mind way of thinking that only comes from surrendering your life to Jesus. Before you came to know Christ, I'm sure some of you guys can relate to this. You know, there, there's that one or two people that are in your oikos, in your circle of community, that would never stop talking about this Jesus guy. 
kept inviting you to church, inviting you to church, and finally you, you came to church, or inviting you to an outpost, inviting you to an outpost, and, and you kind of, you wouldn't say it to their face, but in your mind, you're like, dude, you're a little bit out of your mind for this Jesus guy. And the reason why is because they have been transformed in their heart, and they see things totally different in a new way. I've been studying 2 Corinthians, so when, I, when they, we all agreed on this Bible verse, I'm like, well, i got to get an idea of what's going on in, in this book. And, and so for the last three weeks, I've been studying 2 Corinthians, and Rashad says this every time he preaches. Don't take our word for this. Do it yourself. Read this book, okay? It is so good. Anybody that ever says, hey, you know, the Bible, it's not relevant for what's going on for today, send them to 2 Corinthians. It is so relevant, so amazing. I, I shared my message on Wednesday and I had a stack of notes this high and they're like, man, you're going to have to tone it back a little bit because I, I kept reading things and God was revealing things to me. We could do a whole series, like a month long series just on 2 Corinthians, but I'm going to give you guys the highlights. You got to get a little idea of what's going on here and why Paul writes this letter. So he started this church in Corinth, got it going. Things are going great, and then he goes on and he continues on his ministry to plant churches in other places. But while he's gone, these other teachers were invited in, and these teachers were, te they were teaching false doctrine. Okay, Actually, in chapter 11, Paul refers to them as super apostles. It talks about how these guys are super wealthy, they're dressed to the hilt, they look great. And they're preaching what I like to call a health and wealth prosperity sermon. A sermon that goes a lot like this. Hey, if you do this, you can have this. Look at all that I have and everything that I am and the beauty of my clothes and the things that I have around me. If you listen to me, you can have all of it. It's basically, hey, if you rub that, that rabbit's foot, you're going to find a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow kind of a message. And Paul writes to these guys, trying to encourage them to turn, to repent from these teachings. Because these guys, they're, they're polluting things. They are trying to convince the members of this church not to listen to Paul any longer. They're trying to convince them that, hey, you know, Paul's got it wrong. I got it right. And so they're, they're basically saying, why would God ever use somebody like Paul? And they begin to describe Paul. They describe Paul as weak and timid. And apparently he wasn't a, a great speaker. And so they're like, hey, and not only that, and, and, they, and they highlight this to drive their message home. They attack Paul and they say, look at all of the suffering that this man is going through. Look at, why would God ever use a man who is suffering that much? And they probably gave this list. Uh, Paul has been rejected, beaten with the rod, whipped several times, stoned, shipwrecked, thrown in prison, and so much more. And so Paul writes this letter because he hopes that these people will turn, these people that have turned from God and are now getting back to that old way of thinking, and it's easy to do in our society, isn't it? They want these people to repent which means turn from that old way, get back to the new way. And they, he, he's trying to encourage them to reconcile to God, to come back to a friendly relationship with God and also to himself so that Paul can continue to pour into them. And so he, he talks a little bit about this whole suffering thing. He wants to explain to them, yeah, I am suffering. I'm out there having these things done to me. But when these things are happening, I consider it joy. 
How crazy does that sound? How out of your mind does that sound? One of my favorite passages comes from James. It's right in the beginning. I think it's James 1.7, and it says this. Consider it pure joy anytime you face trials of any kind because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let me say it again. Consider it pure joy. Now, I love joyful moments. If you wa- I know joy. I understand that word. If you want to see joy, hand me a box of Little Debbie snack cakes. Back up, there will be shrapnel. Okay? <laughs> to me, that's joy. But what this passage is saying is, no, 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 no. When you are suffering and you're going through these difficult times, that's joy. That is a radical new way of thinking. Listen to what it says in in chapter 4 as Paul, he has highlighted some of these things that he has suffered through. And listen to the attitude and the voice and the way he describes the suffering. So we're going to jump into uh, chapter 4, verses 8, and he says this. I love this. I hope I can keep it together. Every time I read this, I get emotional. We are hard-pressed on every side, but but we are not crushed. When he says we... He's talking about all of us that have surrendered and have allowed our hearts to be transformed by Christ. You guys know about this suffering thing. When you sacrifice your time, when you say, hey, when you pray this prayer, you're scared. This is a, there's two prayers that, that God will answer instantly. One, if you pray, God, teach me patience, you're flying Delta, okay? <laughs> Talk about that one later. Second one, if you pray, God, use me, get ready. The doors are gonna open. The question is, is are you crazy enough to step through that door? God, use me. And so when he is saying we, he's talking to those of us whose hearts have been transformed. And he is saying that, hey, we are hard pressed. The world is coming down on us on all of these sides, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but we are not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. He's basically saying, you can bring it all to me, man. Bring it all. But my God is bigger. My God's big enough. And that is a radical new way of thinking. All the way, let's jump down to verse 15. Listen to this. All of this is for your benefit, so the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Man, this is awesome. We don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For Listen to the way he describes the struggles and the challenges. You ready for this? Hey, whoever's getting that call, put it on speaker so they can hear this. Here you go. For our light and momentary troubles. That is the way that he describes this. Did you hear the list that I read? Beaten, whipped, thrown in jail, shipwrecked. He is calling it light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Are we excited this morning? Are you starting to get it? It is a radical new way of thinking. Listen to this. He says, man, if, all, if I have to go through the struggles and these challenges, he's saying, this is for your benefit. If my struggles, if my challenges point people in the direction of Christ, let it be done. These super gospel false preachers come in and they preach a look at me message. Tell me how relevant that is today. Everything's all about me, me, myself, and I. Look what I have. Look what I've accomplished. Look at my money. Look at my car. Look at my house. Me, me, me. 
And I, I have a hard time even saying this because I know it's going to rock some of y'all's world. What do you think social media is? If it's not me posting about who? Hey, me. Look at this. Look at how many friends I have. Look at how many likes I have. Look at how well I'm at, at editing this photo. It's really not that good. I had a zit. And I, anyway, we're looking at these highly photoshopped, edited highlights of people saying, hey, look at me. And Paul is saying, hey, everything that I'm about, all that I do, everything that I am, my existence, my everything about me is not to point people at me, but to point people to Jesus. It's all about him. Let's jump to chapter five. Ah, it's getting good. It says this. Here you go. My, one of my favorite passages. It'd have to be for me to be a 47-year-old youth pastor. 513, if we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, verse 15, and he died for, for all. Those who live should no longer live for themselves like those super apostles, all of those me monsters. Don't live for yourself any longer but for him who died for them and who was raised again. So we no longer regard no one from worldly point of view. We don't look through people and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to look at your house. I'm going to look at your car. I'm going to look at your successes. I'm going to look at your credentials. I'm going to look at all the little letters that go before your name. And then I'm going to decide your value. That's the world, man. What we are now going to do is we're going to not start seeing things through God's eyes. And that is this. There's a simple question. Do they know Jesus? And if they don't, get them. Buckle up, buttercup, get creative, get out of your mind, and crack that hardened heart so that they can know what you know. I want you to just think about this for a minute. They don't know what we know. They're walking up and down the hallways of their schools or in their workplace, and, and they're doing all these things, trying to battle and get it done through this life. And so this me monster message, this, this uh, health and wealth message sounds really good because they don't know what we know. And how are they going to know unless we go, unless we share? Unless we get crazy. So now we go, right, I'm going to go to the next passage here. Verse 17, there we go. Here it is, the theme. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Listen to this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You ever think about this? Here's a really interesting thought. Um, and I was talking to Pastor Rashad about this, about reconciliation. We hear that word, and some of us, we don't really know what that means. But it means coming back to a place of a friendly relationship with somebody. I've been married for 26 years. I get that word. I make a lot of mistakes. My wife and I, we've had our momentarily, you know, momentary tiffs. And usually it's me, because I'm the one that made the mistakes. I was the butthead. And I'm the one that has to come and apologize. You see, usually it's the person who is in the wrong who comes to reconcile the relationship. But listen to what it says here in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself, which he is the one that paid the price. The Bible says that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. He gave us this incredible gift. And now we are supposed to go and share that gift. If you know the way, you need to tell people that don't know it. They don't know that they're reconciled. So what does this all mean? Plain and simple, here you go. It's time for show and tell. It's time for show and tell. 
I would say just go tell people, but no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I've tried it. And you go up to somebody and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus, they're going to shut that off. I remember when I was, in, I was going through camp, uh, and, and, and it was a leadership camp, and it was, you know, we talked a lot about sharing our faith. And so one day they had us do this door-to-door thing, you know, and, and that was kind of an idea. Why aren't you going to go, go door-to-door? And they gave us these little tracks. You know, and so you'd knock on the door and you'd hand that person, here, here's the track, and they'd flip through it in, in really bold words that says, if you were to die tonight, what would happen? And everybody I gave it to would look back at me and say, I'd be dead. And it, yeah, and then we would continue and, and it'd get to where Jesus died for us. And as soon as you'd say the name Jesus, boom, the door would slam. And I remember telling Tony Campolo this story. We were doing a show out in Hawaii together. Right, and getting ready to do this big Christian conference, and I'm speaking with Tony Campolo. Some of you know that name, uh, super dynamic communicator and preacher. And he's just like, "Yeah, my son had that same experience, but it was a little bit different." They were going door to door, and and Bart comes to this one door, and he knocks on it, and this woman answers the door, and she's holding this infant in a diaper, and he says it's like practically coming off. She's got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, and there's two more kids in diapers running behind her screaming. And Bart starts talking about Jesus, and then as soon as he says the name Jesus, it was like a trigger of negativity. And this woman looks at Bart and says, hey, unless Jesus is going to come down here, give me a break so I can smoke my cigarette in peace, I don't want to hear it. And she slams the door. This is where we need to go. 30 minutes later, Bart shows up with his buddy with two big bags of groceries full of diapers, baby food, and two cartons of cigarettes sitting on top. They knock on the door and they hand these two bags to this woman and she is overwhelmed to tears. And she invites them in. Bart's buddy plays with the little kids, keeps them entertained, and Bart just sits there as this woman cracks into that first carton of cigarettes and starts to pour out the hurt in her life. Not once did he ever talk about Jesus. Not once did he ever share the gospel. He just sat there in her world and listened and was there and available. I don't know what happened. I need to find Tony and ask him, hey, how'd that story end up? Because as he's telling me this, they're, they're actually introducing him to the stage. And I'm like, wait, Tony, finish the story. So I don't know if she ever surrendered her life to Christ. But I do know this just from that story. She got a chance to experience Christ. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Isn't that what Rashad's been preaching every time he gets up on the stage? He is challenging a step into the community. Don't just go tell them, show them. Show them. In fact, Davey talked about it last week, and I love this. He said, you know what? This whole, hey, self-help me, uh, uh, take care of me mentality, you got to get rid of that. Here's a new radical way of thinking that, think about this, that when you pour into others, when you refresh others, God will refresh you. Basically saying this is that when we make ourselves available, when we pray that scary prayer, God use me, don't worry, he's going to fill you up. Paul even says this day by day. Hey, I might look exhausted on the outside. I may look like, don't be looking at my cheesy clothes or the fact that I drive a 2006 van where I think the transmission's going, but don't look at those things. Look at my heart, which is being renewed day by day by day because Christ fills me up. Why do we do this? Oh, I got to find it. Where is it at? Why do we do this? Here we go. Chapter 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. 
That's why we do it. You know, I think about my own journey and some of the crazy things that I've done for Christ. I had a full ride basketball scholarship to a Division I NAI school in Chicago, and I played two years of hoops and I loved it. But God laid this burden on my heart, and, and God will do that. He will put a burden on your heart, and you'll be waking up at three in the morning, and you're like, Lord, can we do this like tomorrow? Why does it have to be always at three o'clock? I'm trying to get some sleep here. But He will put this burden on your heart, and so I left this scholarship to start a chalk ministry. Do you have any idea how whacked out that is? Can you imagine going to your mom and dad saying, hey, they're paying for my education. I've got two years down, but instead of finishing my, my degree, I'm gonna go and start a chalk ministry. God had blessed that chalk ministry for 25 years. That's all I did. That was my job. People ask me, what do you do for a living? I draw a chalk. I remember first I was speaking to the Minnesota Vikings and I was doing their chapel and, and one of these huge gladiator Sasquatch beef jerky, guy, beef jerky eating guys comes up to me and he's just like, hey, you're gonna show us a movie on that screen, which it was my drawing board. And I'm looking at Jared Allen. I'm like, no, Jared, I'm gonna draw you a picture with chalk. I have never seen a man look more uncomfortable in my life. And he starts backing away and I just want to scream out, don't go, Jared. You should see what I can do with crayons. You know, so... 25 years, and all of a sudden, COVID. I had talked to Josh before all the COVID stuff happened, and I said, hey, man, if there's an opening, if there's an opportunity, I would love to help out. I've done so much stuff with youth ministry throughout the country. Is there a chance? And he's like, absolutely. And the idea was is I wanted to get my daughters engaged and still hang out with them and have that time. And, and, and I got this job part-time, and then all of a sudden, boom, COVID hit. Two weeks later, boom, all my shows are gone. And now this job became a little bit more important. Help me pay some of the bills and stuff. None of these shows were coming back, and so I, I had to do something. I had to be mature, and, and I had to be an adult, and the worldly thing was, go back to school. <laughs> those of you that don't know me really well, I'm super ADD, super dyslexic, and for some reason I thought, hey, all of those things, because I'm older now, must have gone away. Not true. <laughs> I signed up for 1150 Academy. It is one of the most intensive boot camps that you could ever, ever sign up for. It's expensive. It is very hard. It is very long. You meet from nine to five, but you're up at five working on your homework. Uh, if you go full time, it is a three month all immersive uh, boot camp. They teach you how to do software development, web development, cybersecurity. I jumped into the software development after the first week. I was in tears. It was so hard. After the second week, I had chest pains. My wife was like, I don't think this is good for your health. And I've got this hey, I got to practice what I preach. I started this, I'm going to finish it. And so I hung in there. I hung in there. And the whole reason why I did this is because if you can graduate from 1150 Academy, their claim to fame, claim to fame is 71% job placement, which means if you make it, you can go to any one of the 300 tech companies here in Indianapolis and say, hey, I went to 1150 and they'll give you a shot. I'll tell you how hard it was. 55 of us started my cohort. We graduated 23. As soon as I graduate, guess what happens? 1150 hires me. The same day I graduate, they hired me and they're like, we want you to come on and encourage people like you because we want to see more people graduate. We're tired of all the dropouts. So they hire me as a learning assistant. And so I'm working here part-time at the church and I'm working full-time at 1150 Academy. And while I'm at 1150 Academy, I'm looking for that next, that, that next job, that high-paying tech job. I had all these opportunities and then I get a call from Josh and he's just like, Ben, mm, I got something for you. What do you think about coming full-time onto the church? And I looked at him and I says, you know what? I've been sensing that. 
The question is, is what do you think the Russian's going to say? By the way, the Russian's my wife. <laughs> and both of us agreed that she's going to look at us and say, are you guys out of your mind? Uh, clearly, we are out of our mind because I am here. And guys, I'm a 47-year-old youth pastor. You have any idea how crazy that is? But that's what we do. You know, I think about Josh, and some of you guys may or may not know this. I think about his story. You know what? He came on as an intern. I was, the, the chalk ministry took off, and I brought Josh on as an intern. At, uh, he was going to college. I think it was in DePaul, and, and he comes over, and, and he was supposed to be doing all this work. He slept a lot on my couch, but really, the really cool opportunity was we went to this camp, this three-long week camp in Bristol, uh, Tennessee, and God used him, and he engaged with these students and, and just felt this incredible calling, goes to California, had no idea that this was going on, goes to California, goes to school, ends up getting hired at this church. He's out there doing this ministry. He calls me up like almost 10 years ago, and he says, hey, Ben, um, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm coming back to Indiana. I'm bringing my wife, by the way, who's never been to the Midwest. She was born and raised in California. We're going to we're going to transplant her over to Indiana, and she has never experienced the hot August weather and the January freeze. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? And he's calling me up. He's just like, you know, throwing all these names around for, for the church, and obviously Mercy Road was what they decided to go with. And 10 years later, because of this crazy, crazy thing that he has done for Christ, look what's going on now. Y'all got the little birthday bash thing. We are celebrating 10 years. And not only that, we're growing. We're getting an opportunity to go all the way up to Anderson and to show that these individuals in Anderson, hey, we, we may be in Carmel, but we are part of the body of believers and we're gonna be praying for you, supporting you. We're here battling with you. We're out of our minds with you. And I don't know if you guys heard it. You, got, you really do need to come. I've been part of the planning process. The birthday bash is gonna be fun. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating, is there? You got to celebrate. You got to celebrate those moments. So at the end of the day, what is this whole message about? Challenging you guys to get a little bit crazy. Where do you start? First steps. Come to the first step program and uh, meet the pastors. Bring your creativity. Bring your questions. Rooted. Man, that 10-week program is amazing. And students, parents, by the way, you may not know this. If you've got a high school student and they did not tell you about Rooted, please talk to them before you leave. Go over to the Rooted table. Sign them up. It is going to be life-changing for them, okay? High school students only. But don't leave here without doing that because we start on Wednesday. You got huddles. You got outposts. You heard about all the crazy outposts. As soon as I got hired full-time, I started two outposts right away. Crazy stuff. Knockout Indie Boxing, we meet Tuesdays and Thursday mornings from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. I'm basically wearing a body armor and letting people beat me up. The other day, somebody was just like, are you crazy? Absolutely. If it gives me a chance to connect with somebody who would never come into church but has really been interested and curious about boxing, it's worth it. It's worth it. A little shameless pitch. We're going to be doing a class tomorrow at 9 o'clock if you've never done. It doesn't matter how young or old. You've got a guy out there 65 years old hitting the bag. Tomorrow, I figured a lot of us are going to be eating big tonight with those barbecues. So tomorrow, if you want to burn that off, 9 to 10 o'clock, come on out. I got all the gloves. You don't need anything. Just show up. Started an art cafe outpost. Probably the thing I'm most excited about is the micro church we just started. It is a multi-generational Microchurch for adults. 
We meet every other Thursday night, and here's the best part. It's a potluck, which means we eat good. And you're all invited. You see, you talk, we, hear, we, we hear about starting different things, and maybe don't worry about starting, just get involved with one. Check it out before you go into that crazy act of stepping out and starting one. I invite you. I want you. And if you want to get really crazy, maybe, maybe come and volunteer Sunday nights and hang out with these amazing students. Come on and hang out. And right now, some of you might be thinking, man, you don't understand. I'm, I'm old. I'm 65. I don't care. I want your wisdom. I want your stories. I want your cheese. I want your cheesy dad jokes. I want your cheesy mac and cheese. I want you to come and be a part of that community. Because guess what? These kids need to see you there. They need to see you. They need to see you love on them. And if you want to get really, really crazy, really crazy, mercy kids, whoa, that's where the fun happens. Go hang out with Shalanda. People always ask me, they're like, Ben, 10, 10, 15, you're always over there in the kids department. That's not part of my job description. They keep trying to take it away from me. They're like, hey, we need you over here. We need you over there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this job. If you take that 10, 15 thing away from me where I get to hang out with the kids, because why? That's where the fun happens. Don't believe me? Get a little bit crazy with me. Come on over and let's have some fun.